Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged with the message today. I want to talk about how you can mind your mind. And this is part one. How you can mind your mind. Uh, most of it will finish next week. But in this year where the Lord has told us that He's going, he has commanded us to take over. I began thinking about what kind of mindsets do people who take over have? People who do a coup against a ruling regime. People who uh, take over a championship, like you know, in, I think it's Tuesday, the Afghan. What kind of mindsets do those people have when they are taking over? And we learned in the past uh, weeks that taking over really, you're not going to take over from nobody or from nothing. What you're going to take over has got people who own it or think they own it. Amen. They just don't know there's been a shift of ownership yet. Amen. So what kind of mindset do those people have? I remember I spoke about Nebuchadnezzar the other time. That Nebuchadnezzar was such a ruthless king that when he came into a kingdom and he conquered it, the first thing he would do, without even discussing, was either kill or gouge out the eyes of the king, the ruling king of that kingdom, and kill all the heirs. This, you didn't discuss. He just came in and that's what he did, because he was taking over. So what kind of people, what kind of mindsets should we have if we're going to take over? And then that's when all these things started to come and say, first thing we've got to mind our mind. Because there's a battle for the mind Amen. going on. Whether you like it or not, there's a battle for the mind. And we'll see these things next week. So, you know, there are some stories that you hear and you can never forget. You have stories like those? Yes. You've heard the stories in years, but you can never forget. Like the story of the ten keys that walked to the airport to learn how to fly. Now, if any of you know what geese are, geese are like ducks. Um, they're in that family. And geese already fly, okay? Geese already fly. But these geese have been tamed for so long, they forgot. They didn't even know they were supposed to fly. But something inside of them said, no, we really need, we feel like we need to fly. You see all these planes and these birds? Let's go to the airport. That's where we can learn how to fly. So they go to the airport. And they start watching plane after plane take off. Plane after plane take off. So finally they gathered enough courage. And one by one, start with Goose One. Goose One went down the runway. And he ran and he spread his wings and he decided, oh no, this just spreading is not working. So he decided to flap a little bit. And sure enough, he was running. And he was flying. And he was going up. And, and kids too so thought, wow, okay, yeah. This is working. Let me do that too. And he tried it and worked. And goose three, goose three, goose four, goose five. And before you know it, the whole flock was flying. And they had a great time flying. They were doing maneuvers that they had only imagined up to this point. They didn't think they would be the ones doing this. But now it's happening. They're doing all these formations and whatnot. They played the whole afternoon. And as the sun was setting, they decided to go home. And they walked. 
story to illustrate the power of the mind and how it affects us. Many of us have got dreams of things we would love to do. We've got dreams of where this church would love to be. We've got dreams of where your family would love to be, where your marriage would love to be. You've got dreams and, and you say to yourself, am I ever going to make it one day to achieve that which I've always wanted? And many of us are not different from the flock of bees. We can go to our airport and learn all that we need to learn. And we might even have a taste of what it is like to fly. But many times, we walk home. The children of Israel, who saw the great works that the Lord had done in their lives. Yesterday, if you came to the, to the prayer session, um, we looked at the, the book of Deuteronomy. I think Brother Emma did a very good job of explaining to us how God was reminding the children of Israel to say, you have seen me do these things. You have seen me take you out of Egypt. You have seen me how I did all those plagues and power displays against Pharaoh up to a point where he gave up and he said, I will let these people go. You saw me when I, I made you cross the Red Sea. It wasn't your children. I was doing this in your You saw it. You. Nobody else. You saw it. I said, I made a covenant with you. Each and every one of us has got a story, we've got a journey, we've got a case file with God, things that God has done in our lives. You can point out and say, there God did this, there God did this. I didn't even know, but here God did this. And look at me today, where I am, all what the Lord has done. God is faithful, God is full of grace and mercy. Each one of us has got a story on God, what God has done in our lives. Hallelujah. But they still chose to disobey God, the children of Israel. And it cost them dearly. It was clearly explained, I think it was three weeks ago, the pastor brought out the map looking at uh, the Israel, the promised land that God had in mind, and how much Israel has gotten up to this day. They paid dearly for that disobedience. And many times, you know, we say, ah, if I was there witnessing the Red Sea part, if I was there witnessing, you know, the death of the, the firstborn of Egypt, if I was there witnessing manna for each and every day, I wouldn't have gone back with God. But really? Really? Aren't we the same people who, when a crisis comes up, we say, God, have you left me? And we forget that the last crisis, he brought you through. So sometimes we are, we are hard on the children of Israel because we weren't there. But these days, even with the Spirit of God in our lives, we are, we are not different. And I want to challenge us that many times it has to do with our mindset. When they were commanded to take over the land, you would have thought that the testimonies of the Lord's faithfulness would have spurred them on to remain faithful. They didn't remain faithful. And in the last two chapters of the book of Joshua, we see how Joshua kept insisting to say, this is what God has done for you. But I know you will still 
walk away from God. What did they say? No, 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 no. We will do what, what you say, you tell us to do. We will never go away from the presence of the Lord. And Joshua said, I know you. I know you. You will go back in. They said, no, we will not go back. It's very interesting. It's almost like there's a, there's a debate. And Joshua says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you, you choose who you will serve. Because Joshua kind of had, Joshua saw the whole picture from when Moses showed up, Joshua was there. To when they got into the promised land, he saw what, what, what kind of people they were like. And when we get into the book of Judges chapter 1 and Judges chapter 2, things already, there's already a discrepancy. Because there are those who go all out and get what God had promised them. Then there are those who begin to make compromises. We saw that already in the past few weeks. There were those who were like, ah, we weren't able to conquer them because they had iron, chariots of iron. Instead of going back to God and ask, what do we do? How do we work on this one? They decided to make compromises with the enemies they were supposed to destroy. And they're still paying for that up to this very day. May it not be our portion. May we not walk home after testing how good it is to fly. Hallelujah. So, let's look at a few questions this morning. And where we'll end, we'll end, we'll have communion and we'll go home. But I, my, 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 my goal this morning is to just get you to think. Because that's what a mind is for, right? Just to get you to think. So the first thing we're all looking at is, what is your mind? Have you ever thought about that? Two days ago, one of my children came into, into the living room. I was, I was sitting there, relaxing, watching TV, and they said, Dad, did you know that you didn't know about your mind until you learned about it in school? You had it all along, but you didn't know that you had it until you learned it in school. So let's use our mind right now. What is your mind? Well, I, after thinking this way and that, there was no definitive um, description about what a mind is, except what I found in this dictionary really is what captures the focus of the message this morning. It says that the mind is, an, is the element of elements in which, in an individual, that feels, perceives, thinks, will, and especially reasons. That's the Merriam-Webster dictionary. It's, they don't even say this is what the mind is. They tell us what the mind does. Okay? So what does the mind do? You feel. You feel. Because you get information, you process it, and you feel it in a particular way. That's why you say, what so-so has said has hurt me. Because you have processed it in your mind and you say, this is hurtful. They shouldn't have said that. So it, it, it is at the very center of feeling. It is at the very center of perceiving. Perceptions come from the mind. And it is amazing how we want to comment on anything even though we don't know everything that we needed to know. It's amazing. Some family friends of ours uh, yesterday, I'm sure you've heard uh, about the murder in, in Gaza. And it was, uh, it was on one of the news outlets online. And uh, 
They say this is what is happening and the police are still investigating. During the comments, it's amazing how much they don't know. I've spoken to some of the family and about the circumstances of this thing, but when you look at the comments that are online, you say to yourself, sometimes it's good just to keep quiet. My father was six, uh, seven for his life. And he worked as chief of staff under two presidents, Dr. Ramos Banda and Dr. Rafael Morozi. You know, sometimes when things happen in the country and decisions are made at the presidential level, we're quick to talk. But knowing what I know, I think it's best to keep quiet. I have a friend who runs a ministry, he's a pastor, he's started many churches, many rural churches, and um, everything he posted on Facebook in those days when I was very active, I would debate with him and I would talk, why don't you do this? And, blah, 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 blah. and you know, many times he just said, you don't understand. Privately, he said, you don't understand. You don't understand. So until 2018, when Pastor Matthew came and, and I got ordained, <laughs> uh, we met at, at Gateway Mall. How are you doing? I know you have been ordained, you are a pastor now, so how is it? I said, Michael, I am sorry. I didn't know what it means to be a pastor. I didn't have this perspective here looking there. I had that perspective looking there. And it was easy to say, why don't they? Why can't pastors do this? Why can't until I got here? And I remember one of the first things I asked Pastor McDuff was, how do you cope? How do you do it? Because now you have perspective. When our, one of our sons was young, he was all over the place. If he came to your home, he was climbing all over the place. And, and people was like, you know, you should discipline your son. You should discipline your son. And there was this, this brother, we, we came to church and he he'll give you that look that, that said, you, you're doing a bad job at disciplining yourself. You know, but I, I got to a point where, we got to a point where we had to be okay with it. And say, from what those who have gone before us have told us, this will pass. Okay? And years later, he, he got married and he had children of his own. And he was like, hey, brother, I understand. <laughs> because now your mind is processing a different perspective. So sometimes I'm not moved when I see the Jordans all over the place and I, I'm not moved. I say it will pass. I've been there, I know. That's what the mind does. It has perception, it has a perspective. Your mind thinks, the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. That's where the mind is. That's where you process what you hear. That's where you process perceptions on somebody. Your mind reasons. And God knows that. That's why he says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, he says, come, let us do what? Reason together. God has a mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the mind is an amazing thing. The mind imagines things. 
And it's amazing the things that, that the mind can conceive. So why is your mind important? That's the second thing we're looking at. Because the way you think determines a lot about you and what matters to you. The way you think, it determines a lot that is important to you. I think I have a mind blow when it comes to neckties. If you, wear, if you see me wearing a necktie, you just know this is really special. It's a mind thing. That's what I've discovered. It's a mind thing. Okay? But that's where you think. And it says a lot about you. So I'm very comfortable wearing this safari suit now. I'm very comfortable. But if you see me in a formal suit in a necktie, but you're an angel. Things are happening, just to know that. But it's all in the mind. Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. I want us to look at why the mind is important. And we're going to tie this, next week we're going to tie all this in with, uh, with taking over. Because I, want us, I don't want us to miss this. There are so many applications of what we're going to talk about today. Verse 5, Romans chapter 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their what? Their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Hallelujah. Amen. Everything is happening in the mind. When I was going into college, age 17, people scared us and said, oh, you're going to college, Chancellor College. Hey, you will not stand as a Christian. That's what they say. That four years down the line, I began, I realized something. I said, you know, it's a very interesting place. If you want to live a godless, wicked life, you get all the support. Amen. At that campus. If you want to live a righteous, godly life, you get all the support. Amen. It's there. Amen. The question becomes decision. Amen. You make a decision who you are, the way you're going to live. Amen. That's all there is to it. And that's what these verses are telling us, that there are some people who have decided in their mind to live according to the flesh, the dictates of the flesh. Amen. They want to live a life apart from God. But the warning is, if you live up like that, it leads to death. Since the matter we know. But you can also make a decision and say, my mind, I've made a decision in my mind. I've decided, I've, I've deliberated, I've seen the perspective. And my decision is, I will live according to the dictates of the Spirit of God. And the Bible tells us that when you make that decision, your life you, you, you experience life and peace. Amen. So you make a decision how you're going to live. Amen. If you really want to know what is important to people, watch their actions. Don't, never mind what they say. Watch their actions. It's the things they have decided to do. It's the things they have decided to do. 
that's what I really matters to them. Ah, don't worry, Pastor, we'll be there and they're not there. You know what is important to them. Why is the mind important? Because it is made in the image of God. I've already said God has a mind too. Amen. Just like us. That is why he says, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. Because God has a mind. You have a mind. The difference is that his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are way more advanced than ours, according to the book of Isaiah. But still, God comes down to our level and he says, let's reason together. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, verse 34. Romans chapter 11, verse 34. The Bible says, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? So God has a mind. He reasons. He's got perspective. He thinks. Just like you and I. We're made in the image of the Lord. And if you have Christ in your life, then you have the mind of Christ. God expects you to think like him. Hallelujah. God expects you to think like him. God expects you to reason like him. God expects you to have the perception like him. Can we know that 100%? No. But we'll know a whole lot more than the next time. So the mind is important because God is expecting us to, 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 to connect with him. In your mind, it is very important because you know you have conversations, you have debates, you make decisions in your mind. Everything happens in the mind. Did you know that? Everything happens in the mind. It starts here first. Everything you see. Somebody saw this mic that it should be cordless and the power button should not be here but here. It was an imagination. Everything happens in the mind. Things happen to us and the first thing we do is we make assumptions in the mind. And we move on and we want to validate them. Is this really the right thing that I'm thinking about? The mind, that's why, that's why it is very, very important. When you come to the Lord, you don't check your brains at the door and come in. Uh -uh. God expects you to bring your brains in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God expects you to use your mind. Let's go to the book of Luke. Matthew, sorry. Matthew chapter 1. I want you to see something. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. We see the young man Joseph who has uh, paid his betrothal and uh, Technically, this husband and wife with Mary, and then at this point, Mary comes and she says, well, Joseph, I'm pregnant, and, uh, well, who's responsible? God. Excuse me? God. Uh-uh. Let's, let's talk about this. I don't know how the conversation might have gone, but being a man, I can relate to what, what, what Joseph went through. And Joseph is has gone home, he has got his think time, and he's thinking to himself, he says, this, this is just so wrong. She has betrayed me. So let's, let's join him in Matthew chapter 1 verse 19. The Bible says, because Joseph, was, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. 
Now that's a very honorable man right there. Culturally, is she in the wrong? Yes. Is Joseph justifying even in exposing and shaming her? Yes. But he thinks about this, and because of who he was, a righteous man, he says, I will not expose her to shame. I will shield her. And I will... He had it in mind. Where did it happen? He had it in mind to divorce her quietly. The Bible says secretly. Okay. He says, I will divorce her but where did this happen? In the mind. You're coming here today. Where did it happen? In the mind. Today I'm going to church. It happened here. Because you would have chosen not to come. Your mind is very, very, very important. God requires that you use your mind in loving him and others. God requires it. Matthew 22. Let's just jump over to Matthew 22. The famous verse of, that talks about uh, love. Jesus is answering a lawyer who has come to him and is asking these questions about what is the greatest commandment. He was an expert in the law. That's what the Bible says. He came and tested Jesus about what is the greatest commandment. And Jesus replies in verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what is God, what is God saying? We must re remember that our covenant with God is a love covenant. We are in love with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? And God demands our all. You will not compartmentalize and say, oh, this time I love God and only this part of me loves God and not this. You, there's nothing like that. You've got to love God totally. Your heart, your soul, your mind love God. It means you've got to put perspective into your love for God. You've got to have You've got to consider that those are the things that happen in the mind. You've got to, to reason. You've got to think. You've got to feel. You've, you, you've got to be conscious. You've got to be intentional about loving God. Amen. And that's a lot of work. And typically people are like water. We take the path of the least resistance. <laughs> that's the problem. But when you begin to apply your mind, things change. Amen. Okay? Things change. So I'll give you an example. It is a lot of work. Yesterday, um, we came for prayer, and on our way home, and my wife says, we're going to this place. And I'm like, why? She says, oh, I'm treating you today for breakfast. Uh, that's not a simple thing. She woke up, she thought, and she said, today I'll take him out to breakfast. That's work. That's, that's, that's love involving the mind. If I leave this place and I pluck a rose flower and I give it to her on her way home, that's, that's what happens in the mind first. 
And God requires us to actively love him in our mind with our intellects. This is how I'm going to love God. It's between you and God. My love relationship with God will look like this. This is what God loves. Think about it. Think of the perception, the perspectives that you, you can bring in. There are some people, their love for God is, is so background, you, you, you don't even have the clue. But they love God in their own way, in secret. All you see are the fruits coming out. That's fine. But God is expecting us to be mindful about the way we love Him. And the second, the second law is about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Be mindful about how you love yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So this is how I love myself. I say to myself, you know what? Uh, tomorrow I'm preaching. And I need to be to have the energy that I need to be able to preach. So I'll go, go to bed early. I'll go to bed early. I'll wake up at such, such a time. And this is what I'll eat. I'll just not eat bueda bueda. You understand? I'll not eat foods that will drain me of energy or that will... I'll eat foods that will help me to do what I'm doing now. Be mindful about how you love yourself. Amen? Amen. You, you don't go to bed at 1 a.m. watching something and then you come in the morning preaching. You, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Be mindful about the way you love yourself. Amen? Amen? If you need to tell yourself that you love yourself, by all means, do it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. Sometimes just stand in the mirror, look at yourself, and you say, My own way, whatever we know. It does you good. Because the things we say in our mind, we believe so easily. That's why people can talk themselves out of even good decisions. The mind. God is expecting us to love each other with all intelligence. I should be able to sit down and say, what does my brother James like? I want to bless him. Being very intentional. Hallelujah. Amen. Because when we are like that, we are reasoning like God does reason. Amen. The Bible says, who is man? Psalm chapter 8. That you should be mindful of him. So God is there and he sits there and he says, Sunday. How what do I do for Sunday to do that will, today that will prosper him? What do I do for wisdom today? That, that's God being mindful of us, even though we're a little lower than the angels. He puts his mind into it. You need to put your mind into it, into your relationship with God. Whatever it is, you're, you're, you're getting yourself ready to take over this year. For some, it's taking over the running of the home or the marriage. For some, it's about finances. For some, it's about the area of ministry God is putting, putting it into. For some, it's some maybe educational goal. I don't know. Whatever it is, you've got to put thought into it. Amen. You're just not going to slide into it unconsciously. The people who do that, when things don't work, they say, it's always passive. But God requires us to be active. 
in our relationships. God wants us to think like him as his ambassadors. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16 tells us that I'll just go to this this uh, this 16. Um, this is a very interesting one. And the verse that God has used in my life a lot. It made all the difference. Okay, verse 14. We'll start from verse 14. The man without the Spirit of God does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them. Where does understanding happen? Mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him. When you acknowledge something, it's a, it's a cognitive thing. It's a mind thing. And then he says he will direct your path. Verse 15. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. Making judgments is something that happens in the mind. But he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Coming from where I've come from, uh, my, 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 my confidence was really shattered. Okay, long story. But my confidence was really, really shattered. And then I come into PICC, I meet this man called Pastor Nadav, and we start doing ministry together, and many times I'm bringing issues to him and saying, Pastor, we've got this issue. Uh, and he would always say, this phrase, I really grew to hate this, this verse at the beginning. I said, Pastor, we've got an issue. This is the issue, and I've brought it to you. So he would say, what do you think? I said, look, you're my boss. I'm bringing this issue because it has been scaled up, and you need to deal with it. He says, yeah, we're dealing with it. So I'm asking you, what do you think? And I'd wrap my brains on the spot and, okay, I think if we do this and that and that. He'd say, okay, then go and do that. Why did you come to me with something that you had a, a solution with? And, and he used to drive me nuts. He used to drive me up the wall like, this guy. But later on, he switched. When I brought an issue, he'd say, you have the mind of Christ. What do you think? And over months, he kept saying, you have the mind of Christ. What do you think? If you're spending time in the word of God, you begin to capture the way God thinks. Amen. 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 You begin to, what would Jesus do? Amen. Kind of thinking. Amen. And you'd say, Abusa, you have the mind of Christ. What do you think? Up to a point now where I've reached where I say, Pastor, we had this, this is what we did, and I want you to know, this is for your information. You say, oh, okay, I agree. Sometimes I miss it, and he goes, uh, but you didn't think about this. Oops, I've made a mistake. And then God, if we didn't make a mistake, we wouldn't be where we are today. So it's been a journey of learning this principle that because I continue to apply myself to the word of God, you begin to think like God. Amen. Here's an interesting fact that even Solomon recorded in the book of Proverbs. The people you spend your time with will rub off on you. Yes. 
You begin to speak or think like the people you spend your time with. That's just the way it is. The more time you spend with God, the more you begin to think like Him. The more you begin to speak like Him. The more you begin to do things like Him. Amen. There are people who have done unbelievable things against me. Unbelievable. Some of them, after a long time, they come and they say, can we come and see you? <laughs> the me of yesterday, my sister, the me of yesterday. I wouldn't give them the time of day to come and see me. With what you did to me, you want, you have the guts to come, to want to come and see me. But you see, God has pointed a few logs in my eyes too. And these days I'm like, yeah, sure, come. <laughs> because you have experience, you know what it is like. Amen. Operate with the mind of Christ. Amen. We're talking about why the mind is important. The mind is a powerful tool for unity. <coughs> Your mind is a powerful tool for unity. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice a few things. Who is he writing to? What does he call them in that verse? Brethren, the NIV says brothers and sisters. These people know Christ. Okay? He says, I want all of you to agree. Which means there was disagreement in the church of Corinth. And we know from the book of Corinth that there were those who said, Oh, I'm for Apollos. Oh, I'm for Barnabas. Oh, I'm for Pastor Madame. Oh, I'm for Pastor Sun. He says, No, 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 no. These are just servants who God is using. I need you to agree. And that agreement, is, he, he appeals to their mind and says, let's be perfectly united in our minds. This place, we, we have had our disagreements. Sitting where we are sitting. I remember that time Brother Abel was leading with the, on, on the project of doing what we have here. I had a very good idea of what this place needed to be, the orientation. There were some people who had their own good ideas about this place, and we disagreed on a good thing. But by the end of the day, we said, Brother Abel, can you tell us from your expertise as a civil engineer, could you tell us what is right for us? And he said, this, this, we can do this, and so on and so forth. The roof was actually much longer, if I remember very well. He says, no, 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 no. If you do that, these are the implications. This, this is a good size. And then, and then. We, we had to choose to agree. Amen. That's what Paul is telling them. He says, I want you to, to, to choose to agree in your mind. You should have one mind. And when a people have got one mind to do something, nothing is impossible. Amen. Tower of Babel is a good example. A godless people agree on something and they start working on it. And what does God say? What they have set their mind to will surely come to pass. Let's go and confuse them. But now we are in the new dispensation. We are under the new covenant. If we agree on anything, 
God will bless them. It's according to his word. If the husband and the wife agree on anything, things happen. You can't move forward if you don't agree. If a team agrees on something, great things happen. But it all starts from the mind. Sometimes you can even say, let us pray for this. Somebody in here said, no, I'm not praying for that. I've got this issue to pray for. No, you need. <laughs> it happens here. You know how I know it happens? That was me. <laughs> when they say, let's pray for this, and you say, Brother, for this prayer item. When are we going to pray for this prayer item? So I jeopardize everything else. <laughs> By the grace of God, he still answers prayer, the corporate prayer, and so on and so forth. But let's agree on, 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 on one thing according to the word of God. Let's agree that eternal life is only through Jesus Christ. Amen. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's agree that marriage according to the God, to, to God is between man and woman. Nothing else. Amen. Sister, if you come to me with, this, with another woman and you say we want to be married, you're knocking you're on the wrong door. I'll tell you, sorry, we can't. I didn't write the book, but we can't. It's, it's there. Agree. It comes from the mind. Amen. Your mind imagines things. Amen. And God wants to use that for his glory. Amen. Some of the projects that men have imagined and have undertaken in the world are amazing. They are amazing. One commercial says, it's not amazing, it's amazing. Amen. Some of these things, this engineer in the UK gets contracted by one of the, the rulers in, in, in United Arab Emirates and they say, we've got a project, we want to build a hotel, let us take you to the site, these are the plans for it. This is the concept of the hotel, let us take you to the site. They take him to the site and they're showing him in the ocean. So this is where the hotel will be. What? Well, long story short, the hotel stands today in Dubai. You've seen it. What the mind can conceive. Now here are people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ imagining things like that. What more with you? Some of you have imagined orphanages where, where kids are taken care of. They are taught the ways of the Lord and you just keep it there. You're not moving on it. But I want to show you, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, a verse which we, we, we quote a lot. But, but this time I want, I want us to look at this different perspective. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible tells us, Now to him, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his powers that is at work in his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What you imagine God can exceed. Because he is able to do a lot more, a whole lot more than what you imagine in your mind. What you think in your mind. 
So my question is, what do you imagine for yourself? What do you imagine for the kingdom of God? What do you imagine for the country? What do you imagine for Africa? Because everything begins with an imagination. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Everything begins with an imagination. Now we all know that we've got a building project going on. And thank you for giving. It's been amazing. The work will start continuing on Monday. We're starting again on Monday. We're moving forward. Um, but a, a place, this place was imagined. The fence was imagined. The next phase of the building project, there are offices, there's a cafeteria, there's, there's halls where you, you have children's church, the teens, the, the royals, and we'll have church and, and all these things. But I, I imagine, I imagine this place training people in evangelism. Training people who will go where they are and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't be where you are in the week. Okay? I can't. I may visit, but I don't have the same influence as you. So my mind, my, my, this is what I imagine. I imagine you trained, built up in Christ, going back to where you go and, and impacting people for the kingdom of God. That's what I imagine. I imagine people who come here and they'll be trained over a number of weeks, over a number of years, whatever it's going to be. And then we're going to send them out and say, you go to Chitipa, you go to Lower, you go to wherever, impact Malawi for Christ. Some will leave from this place and they will go to Zambia, they will go to Mauritius, they will go to Madagascar, they will go, you won't leave national US, no. <laughs> but we'll go places. spread the word of God. Because I don't have an accounting degree. Some of you do. And you can enter these places. If I go and I say I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary, already red flags go up. But if you go and you are, you are a, a chartered architect, if there's such a thing, they'll take you in because they want nice buildings done. You see what I mean? That, that's, that's what I imagine about this place. That's me. And I know God will exceed it. One day you will look back and you say, that old man, I don't know whether you have buried me or what, but you look back and you say, that old man used to say things about this. Because that is written down. As a vision that we're pursuing, it's written down. Imagine, don't limit yourself. Because what you can imagine, God can exceed. Amen. There was a brother who imagined Russia with Bibles and he started smuggling Bibles into Russia. And God would sometimes make the border guards blind Amen. to the fact that Bibles were passing there. Another one was in China. Took the gospel to China. Bibles and at a time when restrictions against Christianity were the hardest, people got born again, they got saved. That's what he imagined. What are you imagining? There are people who imagine a vaccine for current pandemic. Came through. 
It all starts here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It all starts here. What you are imagining is not a mistake. God wants it there and he wants it implemented. Amen. And don't look at Malawi and say, oh, I'm just a Malawian. What good can come out of that for God to deal with? They said the same thing about Jesus, by the way. What good can come out of Nazareth? But it did. Hallelujah. Amen. Imagine. And say, God, this is what I imagine. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Imagine things. And say, God, I want to have a godly family. In my family, everybody will know God for themselves. Here I am, use me. And God is going to challenge you to do things for that to happen. Amen. Imagine it. Sometimes I sit down and I say, the way things are going, I'm imagining my wife and I being the only ones in this country. The children we have, the things they, they say and think. I don't know if they'll stay here. <laughs> She's saying they should stay. <laughs> But that's the point. Your mind is an important part of yourself. Don't put it to sleep. Just start it back into action. No matter how bad things have gone, I want you to imagine the best. I want you to submit that to the Lord and I want you to work it. Amen. It will come to pass. Amen. There was a time it was hard to imagine even over 20, 20 years in marriage. It was hard. It was hard. There's an amen there. She just said, mm. <laughs> It was hard. But you know, you said, by the way, nobody goes into marriage wanting to fail. No. Okay? Nobody. But, but there was a time you said, But God, I promised, I vowed. Help me. But you know, the things you have to go through before things become sweeter. They're painful. By God's grace, we didn't end up in a bad way. But we know people who have suffered that it didn't, the story didn't end up all good. But you still don't give up. And you say, God, even though I am in this situation, I'm still trusting on your word. Because the things I imagine that you're doing in my life for your glory, I can't give those up. So your mind is very important. I want to challenge your thinking. The way you think. I want to challenge you. Do you also say a ground is by the wind? And yet you are a child of God. And yet you know that God can supersede a ground by the wind. In times of lack, God would tell you, plant here and you will prosper. We saw it in the life of Isaac. Amen. God can do that. So while everybody is saying the ground is not well, you, you, you say, no, 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 no. no. God, this is what people are saying and it is true. Amen. Okay? We are not denying that fact. It is true. But for me, I still look to you. Amen. And see what God will do. It's all in the mind. Sometimes our minds have been so hit, so eroded with negatives 
that we don't believe anything good can come out of you. You don't believe anything good can come out of the country. You don't believe anything good can come out of anywhere that you are. But it's because people keep telling you, Malawi is a poor nation, Malawi is a poor And here you are, you're either in Malawi or you're living in Malawi. Malawi is a poor nation, Malawi is a poor nation, Malawi is a poor nation. What do you begin to think? Ah, what can we do? We're poor. Every person, on average, hears 19 negatives before they hear one positive. Fact. But I'm getting ahead of myself. That's for next week. So how, how do you get out of this, all this negativity that is happening? Here's an example, an open secret, right? So we had the State of the Nation address last week. And it was given. I read it. I read the speech. Okay, these are the things that come. You go on social media and you're hit with the negativity. And people are like, where are the one million votes? Where did this number come from? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, out of all the opportunities that were in that speech, all you can pick up is 900,000 votes. Is this a realistic figure? How did they come about this? But there are a lot of opportunities. Those who have eyes to see have seen where the opportunities are coming, are going to come from. And they're positioning themselves to cash in. But that just speaks to the kind of negativity that we have as a people. A lot of good things can be done, but usually people will remember you for the one bad thing you did. So how do you get out of that? Zinedine Zidane was one of, arguably one of the best midfielders in football history. The one thing people remember him for today is the headbutt <laughs> that he gave a fellow footballer. That's what people remember him for. All the good that he did. And he was a very humble man. But at this point, his fuse was too short. Somebody said something and he sounded his manga and he couldn't take it. During a World Cup final, I think it was. So I am saying, out of all this negativity that we're getting, how do we work with our minds to remain positive? Amen. And get fruitful results? That's for next week. But all I'm saying is, your mind is a powerhouse that the Lord wants to use for his glory. Amen. It is an asset that many of us and utilize at the table of average. Uh, this is the way things are. You're not challenging yourself. But there's so much more to your mind than you realize. So let me move on to the last question that we're looking at. We looked at what the mind is. We looked at why the mind is important. So by now we know that God wants us to use our mind. God wants us to relate with him intellectually. And this is not about how far you went with education, all right? This is about you reasoning with God. Because sometimes I think we overrate our education qualifications. Sometimes, I think. I have gone to villages, sat down with people who have never gone past standard five. Old people. You're sitting and you're dealing with a problem and the wisdom that comes out of there wouldn't come out of any PhD. And it's implemented and the solutions start working. Am I saying teach education? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. 
But I'm saying in your mind, your mind. In Psalm 119, the Bible says, King David says, Your word, O God, has made me wiser than the ancient, the people who are old. The word of God can make you wiser than the elderly. So when you're operating with the word of God, your mind is operating at the highest level a human being can ever operate at. Amen? Amen. Much of it does not make sense. Like God, my husband is the one who is doing the wrong here. And you want me to submit to him? It doesn't make sense. Does it? But those are the times when your faith in God is called into action. When you have a leader you don't like, a boss you don't like, and God says, pray for your leaders. First Timothy chapter 2. Pray for all those in authority. How easy is that? To pray for the boss who tomorrow, when you walk into the office tomorrow, some of the first things he'll say to you are really helpful things. How do you pray for somebody like that? But God knows what he's doing when he says pray for all those in authority. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let me explain to us what happens to your mind when you're born again, when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Okay? And I want to take a holistic uh, approach to this. One of the tragedies of our times is that we tend to segment our lives. This is me at home. This is who I am. At work, this is who I am. At church, this is who I am. Business, this is who I am. I think that's a mistake. Because as far as I see the Bible, there's nothing like secular work. There's nothing like that. There are believers, I think it's in the book of in the book of Romans. Some of the people who helped Paul in his ministry worked even in the household of Caesar. There was someone who was a director of public works, but he was a Christian. We need to be holistic about our lives. Amen. Amen. I can't say I'm pastor only at church. No. Because there are times when I'm at home and my wife comes to me and says, Pastor, there's this. She's talking to me as Pastor. But at the same time, I'm her husband. I, I can't segment myself. I'm a Christian here. I'm a Christian out there. I'm a Christian in the work that I do. I'm someone who follows Jesus even if you put me on a bus that is going away from the people that know me, I'm still a Jesus follower. Amen. I, I, who I am should show up on my social media profiles. Amen. And it's very easy to be somebody else, right? Very easy. I did that mistake once. Came home one time and my wife says, you know, the person you have on Facebook is not the person I live with. Amen. I was like, oh, oh. Red alert. And sure enough, you know, sometimes I go back to the earlier post that I used to make. I was like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> You've seen that program, right? Eh? What were you thinking? Yeah. 
there was a big discrepancy between who I was online and who I was in person. And when your wife asks you a question like that, brother, you're in big trouble. Just begin to change. So let's look at the whole picture. What happens in your mind when you're born again? But let's, let's look at the spirit side of things. When you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, that God made us alive again. Because we were not aware of God in our spirit. We were not connected with God. And we're encouraged to continue being filled with the Spirit of God in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. When you look at the book of Acts, that's what that's the pattern you see in the, the disciples. They kept they kept on asking God to fill them with the Spirit of God. Because they understood their spirits are nothing without the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. John chapter 3 tells us that flesh gives birth to flesh. And spirit gives birth to spirit. So the spirit of God gave birth to our spirits. We became alive to God. That's why all of a sudden, reading the Bible, it makes sense. There are things that jump at you from the Bible. It's the spirit talking to you. Amen? So when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, your spirit came alive from the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 16. It says that those who are led according to the spirit of God, paraphrasing, those are the children of God. Those are the sons of God. So our spirits become aware of God's existence. We are in a relationship with God, okay? That's what has happened to us in our spirit. Our bodies, though, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. What happens to our bodies when we're born, we're born again? Anyone wants to, to guess at the price? What happens to your body when you're born again? When you accept Jesus in your life? What happens? Nothing. Nothing happens to your body. But in reality, spiritually, this is what has happened. Let's, let's start from verse 18. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Free from sexual, sexual immorality. And all other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is where? In you. Whom you have received from whom? From God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your Body. When the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that we are ambassadors of Christ, it actually means we learned we are not representatives of Christ, we are a representation of Christ. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you, is in your body. It lives here. So when you walk around, you are a representation of God. So Paul says, because of that, you can't be into sexual immorality. Your body is not your own. It belongs to God. It means there are certain places you will not go because they will defile you. It means there are certain things you will not do 
because they are not proper, they are not in keeping with the temple of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I could go into specifics about our bodies, but we just be split in hairs. The point is, when you are born again, it's the same body. Amen. I was telling people the other day at, at, at Faith Clinic that I still have scars from way back. Like way back. So way back you don't even want to hear about it. But I've got those scars. I've got one right here. When I tried to kill myself, I just thought I'll just puncture this this vein here and I'll bleed to death. And I slept. But I woke up the bleeding and stopped. <laughs> Couldn't even kill myself. What a failure. <laughs> <laughs> but the spirit is still there. You'd think it would vanish because I received Jesus Christ. No. It's still there. The injuries I received way back then, they're still there. When I, was accept when I accepted Jesus Christ at the age of 17, I was wearing glasses. I'm still wearing glasses today. However, after you receive Christ, the way you treat your body should change. Amen. Because it is the temple of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen? Amen. The way you dress yourself changes. I won't tell you what to wear or what not to wear. Ask the Holy Spirit. Read the Word of God and it will tell you about decency. And that's some parts we keep covered. Amen? Amen. I'm still researching that topic, by the way. I promised I will talk about dressing, yeah? I'm still researching it, putting everything together. The, the, how much rest do you get per day? Contrary to popular opinion, it is not wise to sleep less. It is not wise to sleep too much either. Medical science tells us that an average adult, on average, an adult should sleep seven to eight hours per day. And I think it is because most of us do not understand what happens, what the body does when we sleep, while we sleep. And we quote Bible verses and despise those who sleep seven to eight hours. But I've learned differently. When you look at the book of Proverbs, the point is not you should not sleep. Or you should sleep less, that means you get successful. Uh -uh. Especially these days when you know, the hassle culture. Oh, hassle this, hassle that, I don't sleep, hassle, I don't sleep, and so on. There's also a thing called sleep deprivation, which has caused not a few industrial accidents, by the way. Doctors have forgotten tools in the stomach of people because of sleep deprivation. Chernobyl in Russia, sleep deprivation. I think it was here where I spoke to you about the British Airways flight where the windscreen just while it was in flight, one of the windscreens just 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 left dragging the captain with them. It was the I think it was the flight engineer who held the captain's ankle and they managed to land. They investigate the whole thing. It goes back to the hangar where the plane was being serviced and they were supposed to replace the windscreens. One of British Airways best engineers was on the job that night. He left home at 10 p.m.
drove two hours to work, started working. He was finishing servicing that, that, that plane around four. You know what the mistake was? The bonds he needed for fixing the windscreen, for replacing the windscreen, he requested for the right size. When he went to the store's clerk, who had been sleeping, he gave them a size small. And because this one of the best engineers was tired, he had driven from 10 p.m., started working around, around midnight. He doesn't even check whether he's been given, and, and he puts them. Sleep deprivation. So seven to eight hours of sleep per day, okay? Okay? This is not even the Bible, this is science. What you find in the book of Proverbs is for us to work hard, not to sleep too much and be lazy. That's the story in the book of Proverbs. It doesn't say sleepless. So treat your body right. Because I, I guarantee you, if you go to bed at 1 p.m. tonight, tomorrow you're supposed to be in the office by 8, you will drag everybody down. Your body will not take it up to a certain point. I'm taking classes um, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Monday. Choose the morning, I'm at my worst. And I've just had to learn not to do a lot in Tuesday morning. I'm in maintenance mode. <laughs> Tuesday morning. How you eat matters. Eat nutritious foods. Amen? Amen. Eat well. Don't overeat. Don't eat too little either. Eat well. Take care of the temple of God. Amen? Amen. You will need your body, trust me. Take care of it. Don't, don't put diesel if your body is a petrol engine. They don't do overhauls for bodies. Are we clear? If I put petrol in a diesel car, they can do things to fix it. And the car will be back on the road. Or you put diesel in a petrol engine. It's costly, but you can still get the car going for quite a number of years down the road. It doesn't happen with bodies. Eat well, eat nutritiously. When the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God will fill your mouth with good things, he was talking about food. Good food. <laughs> and some of the food we eat is not good, eh? It's all just processed junk. It's killing us. Let's eat good food. So that's about the body. Take care of the temple of God. Amen? Amen? Exercise. Work. Physical work. These things do us good. Thirdly, your mind is alive to God, but you have to keep renewing it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So when you are born again, your spirit becomes alive to God. Your body doesn't change, but God expects us to treat it well. And then your mind is alive but you need to continue renewing it. Why? We'll see next week. Because the enemy keeps pounding on your mind. He keeps pounding on your mind because he knows your mind is key. Amen. He keeps hitting your mind with things that he shouldn't. So Romans, that he shouldn't. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you renew? Your mind. Okay, do you renew passports? Why do you renew driver's licenses? This one I don't understand, but why do you renew citizens' IDs? I'm always guessing in Mahalan. I'm just saying why do it, but that's another story. But we renew because there's an expiry. We renew because there's some contamination of some sort. And we are being hit with information that contaminates the mind day in, day out. Amen. Just watch TV. You see what I'm talking about. Just read some of the things that have been written. So it says we need to continue. Continue renewing our minds. Remember, 19 negatives, one positive. But if that one positive is the word of God, you're way ahead. Hallelujah. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. From verse 20. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. The Bible says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way, the, the, the way of living in darkness. He says, surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ. You renew your mind with what? The truth that is in Jesus Christ. You were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. The old me is, was, was not helpful. The old me, remember, is the, is the mind that is set on, on things that are not on God and it leads to death. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Alright? Then he says, verse 23, we are to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Your attitude is to be made new. Amen? One of the things that you struggle, I've had to struggle with and, 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 and trust God to change is, is this thing of, you know, as pastors, sometimes people just abuse pastors. Honestly. It's, it's terrible. When somebody does something, you speak with them, you say, no, this should be be, and so on. Yes, pastor, I've heard it. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. But you, you keep warning the person, right? And then one point you just say, you know what? It ends here. No, but as pastor, you should do it. No, consider me. And this, this person keeps doing this thing. So when they go wherever they go, they decide, oh, I'll go back. And they come back. I have had to be challenged to take people back in and not keep them away. It's an attitude adjustment. Because if it was just me, Sungana and Macho, on my own, none would see like that. I would teach you. You're wasting my time. But God says, Suppose I had done that with you, where would you be? Now that is not a license for you to say, I will do it again, Pastor will take me back. I'm learning some wisdom as well. Okay? It's about attitude. The preconceptions we have about other people. We need to change our attitudes according to the word of God. Psalm 1, and this is where we end. We'll pick it up next week. Psalm chapter, chapter 1. 
the Bible says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Why? Because counsel feeds the mind. Or stand in the way of sinners. They will entice you to go against God. So don't stand there. Or sit in the seat of mockers. These people are mocking God. Don't sit there. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. That's the word of God. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. That's the word of God. So next week, we'll talk about what the enemy does against your mind. We'll talk about how we mind our mind or how we guard our mind. And then we'll talk about the benefits. And how all this ties in to taking over. Amen? Amen. Some years ago, when I was younger and I was very passionate about soccer, the Nigerian football team came to Malawi and they had a, they had a match with Malawi. And in those days, the, the star of Nigeria was JJ Okota. And he came. He came. You know, the interesting thing was, I think the Nigerians really played as well, even before the pitch. They were like, oh, Nigeria, uh, JJ Okota has come, and so on and so forth. They interviewed even some of the sports people, the ones who were supposed to be giving. Uh, you know, that boost, that morale boost to the flames, and they were like, no, but they have brought JJ or God. But no, God is on our side. We had lost before we played the game. <laughs> Attitude. Amen. So maybe even that day, JJ or God didn't play a really outstanding game. But because they had won the battle in the mind, the Nigerians went away with 2 1. I still remember. 2 1. Because they, they, we lost in the mind. The press were praising him. The farm officials were praising him. Some of the players were like, oh, to be playing with him, or coach, I expected that man. You have lost. <laughs> so mind your mind. Amen. Time is against us. We'll look at the rest next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word challenge you have given to us to mind our minds. But also just to know that Lord, you want us to use our minds as we engage with you, as we engage with each other. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ as we're going into communion right now, that you even challenge our minds about communion. That it is something that we take, oh Lord, in remembrance of you, oh God. Not remembrance of, of, of tradition or anybody else, but we remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary for us to be free, to have eternal life, to be able to reason with you, to choose to love you with our intellect in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that as we take this communion, like your, your miracle of God, shall continue to work in the lives of your people. Let those that need healing be healed. Those that need encouragement be encouraged. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.